Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. everybody. We're so glad y'all are here with us today. We have really great coffee, don't we? Man, I'm not kidding either. We do have good coffee. We visited some churches. Coffee wasn't so good. Well, good morning, guys. We're so glad you are here. Um, Obviously, I'm not Chris. I'm much shorter than Chris. I have more hair than him. But uh, I'm going to substitute this weekend for Chris, and I'm thankful to do that. My name is Josh. Uh, I'm the youth leader here, and uh, our leaders are away at their annual leadership retreat, and we're thankful that they're able to do that. You know, it's nice to get away and recharge and to be able to have a minute to think and spend time with the Lord, and that's what they're doing. They're spending time with the Lord. They're, they're making plans for the new year. They're making plans for us, and it's nice to, ha- to have leaders that just really, really care about what we're doing, isn't it? So, um, I'm excited to be able to share the word today, and I wanted to share a couple of different things. I am the youth leader. If you know any 6th to 12th graders, send them my way. We meet on Wednesday nights, 6.30 to 8.30. Um, We open the Bible. uh, We talk about Jesus. We eat tacos and pizza. We play video games. We have a great time. It is a lot of fun. So, if you know any uh, young people... Encourage them to come hang out on Wednesday or um, just like push them towards me on a Sunday morning, you know, and I'll like guilt them into coming. But uh, yeah, encourage people to come. We love, we love having, um, uh, we love having youth group. And you know, we do, we do some serious work in youth group. We open the Bible and we really dissect it um, and we just really break it down. We're able to ask questions. We're able to look things up together. We're able to, to work together and, um, you know, we have some really special kids here, and I say that every time I get up here, but we really do have some special kids here. So be in prayer um, for the youth of this church. Um, they, have good, they have good things going on. So in youth group, one of the things we're doing this year, um, we've kind of came up with uh, like a catchphrase or a slogan, or kind of like a, uh, it's like a couple of questions that we're filtering everything through on the entire, for the whole year, and I wanted to share those with you real quick. Um, the Here's how the questions go. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And who are you going to be? And we're filtering all the verses that we read through these three questions. And uh, really, it's a way to, um, to be able to share. So every week, um, you know, we ask those three questions. And for the first question, where are you going to go? Sometimes we have, to, we have to go places. Sometimes we choose to go places. Either way, we all end up somewhere, don't we? We all end up somewhere. So the question is... Um, do we ever end up where God wants us to be? You know, and that's our first question. We end up at so many different places. We see so many different people throughout the day and throughout our week. And uh, question one, where are you going to go? Are you going to end up anywhere that God wants you to be? Um, the same thing for mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to allow your mind to go? Are you going to allow your mind to wander this way or that way? You know, the Bible says... Um, that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The enemy doesn't have any power over our minds. We have self-control. We can decide where we go. So the question is, where are you going to go? 
whether that's physically, whether that's mentally, whether that's emotionally, that's spiritually, we can be intentional about where we go, right? Once we end up wherever we are, what are we going to do? Jesus has great plans for each one of us. Sometimes I'm too busy to see him because I have my own plans, right? I don't know if any of you guys are like me, but uh, sometimes I have my own plans. Sometimes I'm not good at deviating from my plan to another plan, but I'm trying to slow down. I'm trying to keep my eyes open. I'm trying to see what Jesus wants me to see this year so that when I do end up where I end up, I can see what he has for me, right? Because we can spread the love of Jesus all over. You know, that's, what it, that's really what it's about. He fills us up, he, he pours into us, and that's so that we can share with everybody else. So the first two questions kind of answer the third question, right? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Who are you going to be? Where you end up and what you do a lot of times is going to define who you are. And so we as a youth group, that's like our, that's our filter for the year. We're running all our verses through those things. Every week we're asking that question. Sometimes I ask it at the beginning and at the end. And uh, it's, just, it's just fun, and it's interesting to have, like, a catchphrase. And uh, one of Chris's very first sermons this year was about doing something. Um, it's about what are, you, what are you passionate about? What's the Lord putting on your mind for this year? Even if it's something like, oh, I could never do that. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know how I would be involved in that. Um, you know, one of, uh, we had all the prophetic words just recently. One of the prophetic words um, when me and my wife Kyle were up here was, um, there's room for mistakes. Just try new things. That was one of our prophetic words. So we're going to try new things this year. We're going to try this, we're going to try that, and see what happens and see what works. Some things might work, some things might not. But we're going to try new things, and we're going to try to tell more people about Jesus. Because that's the goal of all of it. So um, we'll come back to that a little bit um, a little bit later in the day. But we, we have been in the book of First John in youth group, and um, we've been in it for about five weeks now, and we're still in chapter one. So we're pretty serious um, about what it's saying and about what the word is and about, about what John's trying to tell us. So we're going to start off with John chapter two. If you want to pull it up in your Bible or on your phone, I should have the verse. And the big title of uh, of John chapter 2 is Christ is our advocate. So maybe we'll have it, maybe we won't, but it's a short one. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And that's really, uh, you know, all my cards right on the table, that's my verse today. We have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous. An advocate's kind of uh, it's not a super popular word. A lot of times when we hear it, we think uh, advocating for a cause, right? We're uh, trying to inform. Uh, maybe you have pamphlets or newsletters or a blog. You're trying to get the information out to win people to your side, right? There's all sorts of things that people are advocating for. You know, people are advocating for clean energy, for equal pay, for human rights. There's all sorts of things that people are advocating for, right? And, and it's and it's just to get the information out, just to get the people educated. Because if you can just get the information out there, we can get you to our side, right? And the great thing about it is Jesus is our advocate. And we'll, we'll get more into that. In the New Testament, the definition's kind of similar. The Greek word's paraclete. It's defined as a helper, comforter, intercessor. That's like one who takes our side, uh, speaks on our behalf, pleads our case. In the New Testament, both the Holy Spirit and Jesus are described as our advocate. But how great is it, right? 
You know, Jesus described as so many things in the Bible, and, and not to take away from any of those things, right? But Jesus is our Savior. He's our Messiah. He's our healer. He's all these things, but he's our advocate as well. So we, before we go too far, um, I'd like to do a little bit of background work on John and who he is and why he's writing this. Um, John's an interesting guy. John is um, one of the most interesting disciples. Most commentators and theologians put him in his early 20s. Some even put him in his teens. So he would have been the youngest disciple. And so Jesus spent uh, an afternoon preaching on the lake, actually out in a boat. And when he came up, when he came up onto the shore, he saw uh, a set of brothers, uh, Peter and Andrew. He said, I want you guys to follow me now. And he went a little further. He saw another set of brothers. He saw John and James. I said, I want you guys to follow me now as well. And John is, is so interesting because we get to see his whole life. We miss a lot of um, the other disciples' lives because they get cut short a little bit, right? But John, we get to see the whole thing. So John is a guy that it says when Jesus called him, John walked away from, his, from mending his nets right out of the boat that his father owned, that had hired servants there. And I, and I always wonder, like, if John, if there was any part of him that was like, man, I'm just flushing this down the toilet, man. My, th- this is my career. You know, his dad's running the show. So, I mean, how many times do we have a small business and the, and the father starts it, and then you see the children come up, and then they take it over? So I wonder if, if there's any part of John's mind that was like, man, I'm walking away from a career. I'm walking away from stability. I'm walking away from my father. I'm walking away from retirement. There's all these things. And I always wonder if John um, was a little crazy, you know. We see these other things where John... Um, um, where John is with Jesus, and uh, they leave a town, and it doesn't go so well. And John goes, "Just light them up, just rain down some fire." Jesus, just take care of that. Be done with that. And Jesus rebukes him and says, "I'm here to love. I'm here to forgive. I'm not here to rain down fireballs." There's another time um, where John says, "Jesus, Jesus, Jesus." Um, when we all get to heaven, I know you got the big throne. Can I get like a little one by yours? And Jesus is like, no. No, John. You can't do that. You can't have a little throne next to my big throne. <laughs> and John is super passionate and he's super energetic. And I feel like he just needs to be pointed in the right direction. And the cool thing is we get to see his whole life, how that transformation happens. Um, you know, John, I believe John was Jesus' best friend. I really do. Um, Jesus had 12 disciples. There was even a smaller group that he called the inner three, Peter, James, and John. And um, not all disciples were privy to, to everything that happened. Not, not everybody was there for every miracle. Um, but I'll tell you what John was there for. John was there to see Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. John was invited to what's called the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus went up on a mountain and basically showed his divinity and showed every part of him that was God, and Moses and Elijah showed up. John was there for that. John was at the Last Supper. John was there when, he, when Jesus said, one would betray me. John was there when Jesus was sweating drops of blood the night before his crucifixion. We see John at the cross... And with, with some of Jesus' final breaths, he looks at John and said, John, I want you to take care of my mother. 
I mean, if that's not a best friend, I don't know who is. We all know uh, Peter wasn't around. He was a little busy. But John was there. John was at the cross. John was the first male to show up at the empty tomb. We know all the women showed up first, and then John was the first male to show up. John was there uh, for a lakeside breakfast that Jesus cooked, and, John, and, and nobody recognized who he was, and John was the first one to recognize. John was the first to recognize, this is Jesus, this is my Lord and Savior. John was there when Jesus ascended back into heaven. He said, go out into all the world, make disciples. John was there for that. You know, it says that, in the, that the early church, John and Peter were the pillars of the early church. So Jesus said, go and make all disciples. And John said, okay, I'll get to work. And so it says John and, and Peter were the early disciples. And John never denied his best friend, Jesus. He never did. One by one, we see the disciples, starting with his brother, uh, James, they all get martyred, right? They all get taken for what they believe. And I don't know about you guys, but I think maybe the third or fourth disciple, and I'd be like, I got to watch myself. I got to pay attention to where I'm going here. And John, and it wasn't for lack of trying. At one point, they dipped John in some boiling oil to try to, to, try to end it. John never denies Jesus. Uh, we've been talking about this at youth group a lot. One of the questions that came up was, uh, after the boiling oil, do you think that Jesus uh, miraculously healed John, or do you think that he looked like Darth Vader with his helmet off for the rest of his life? I don't know. I don't know. Probably take him real seriously if he didn't, if he didn't get supernaturally healed. Ooh, here comes John. <laughs> John was then exiled to the island of Patmos, um, which was a, a penal colony just full of prisoners. And um, you can go there today. You can take a, a, a sightseeing tour and you can see the island where he was. And it was after all these years and all these things on this island with a bunch of other prisoners that John's best friend Jesus shows up again, right? All these years, John never denied him. Jesus shows up again and says, John, we're going to write a book together. Go ahead and take this down. And, and that's where John writes the book of Revelation. I think if Jesus had a best friend, I think it was probably John. I think it was probably real similar to like a kid brother type thing. You know, he's, he spends all this time talking about my beloved, my beloved. He's always talking about John. John never denies him. So when John writes, my little children... It's such a great transformation from what we see earlier, where can I have a throne up there with yours? Can we just light these guys on fire? And John, you see the whole transformation. Early church history and early, and early church fathers tell us that John comes back from Patmos and um, for the rest of his years as an old man, they, uh, they bring him out at the church gatherings and at this point, we would have had second-generation and third-generation Christians, and they'd bring out John, who I believe really got the Father heart of God. They'd bring him out, and John would tell stories about Jesus. This is what it was like the day that I was met in my nets, and the first time I saw him. This is what it was like when we went to a house, and there was very obviously a dead little girl there, and Jesus just said she was sleeping, and then woke her up. This is what it was like when, and the story, and it just goes on and on and on and on, right? 
And so here we have John, and this is what he says, My little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That is good news. However the world describes Jesus, the Bible describes him as an advocate. What was our definition of advocate? Remember, helper, comforter, intercessor, someone that's on your side. I don't know um, what happened in my life to make me feel like this, but I want to feel like I'm a part of a team. I want to feel like someone is on my side. I don't know if that's you guys or not, but I really want to feel like someone is backing me up, like someone is there for me. And John says that that's Jesus. So there's a few questions that we want to ask, and we're going to go just a little bit early. So if you're in your Bibles, we're going to back up just a little bit to 1 John 1, and we're going to start in verse 5. We're not going to go super long today. That Chang Tai buffet is not going to eat itself. All right. (laughs) Amen. All right, so here's John. John writes this, uh, the book of 1 John. And John wrote a couple different books, right? We know that, the Gospel of John, Revelation, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So he's written a couple of books, and here's what he says. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the dark, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And then this bumps right up against our verse that we're talking about, my little children. So John is always talking about, John's two major things that he always talks about is love and light. He's always talking about that. And in this verse, he's talking about walking in the light. He's talking about walking in the light. So here's what he says. This is the message we have heard from him. That's Jesus, and and now we tell it to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And this is something that not everyone is on board with. Not everyone is on board with God is only light. There's no sin. He can only do good. He can, he can never do bad. Not everyone's on board with that. There are things um, in youth group we talked about. Uh, we talked about um, the force on Star Wars. We have the dark side and we have the light side, right? But it's all one and it all flows from one thing. Uh, another kid brought up the, the symbol of the yin and the yang. There's the black and the white and it's together. When you think of God, it's the circle and it's only white. There's nothing else there. There's nothing else there. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So, it's, I love this, this portion of scripture. I've actually taught on it for two weeks in a row in youth group. And there's like a back and forth and there's a push and a pull. And it's like John is like bending over backwards to help us get a message here. And that message is walk in the light, right? That's the message that John is like, get this, get this, walk in the light. Why? Why do you want to walk in the light? Well, it, does, it makes sense. 
you turn the lights off, you can't see what's around you. You don't know if there's danger. You can't make plans for the future. You don't know who's with you. When you turn the lights on, there's no hiding, right? When the lights are on, there's clarity, there's understanding. You can make plans for the future because you can see what's around you. You know if you're in danger or you know if it's safe. Turn the lights on. John is saying, walk in the light. So here's the thing. In youth group, we talked about this. Can we walk in the light if there's sin in our lives? Because it almost seems like you can't, but, but I think John is really being specific here saying, yes, you can. So there's a couple verses that I'd like to bring to your attention real quick. So we got verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. So don't, don't walk in the darkness, right? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sins. Here's, here's our second warning. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we can't say that. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, we're lying to ourselves. We do have sin. Sanctification is a process that's ongoing. In, in verse 10 again, it says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So John is saying three times, walk in the light, but there's no need to say that you don't have sin. There's no need to say that. We don't need to pretend that we're perfect. We don't need to have a religious spirit that we don't need help. We all need help, right? We all need help. So what is it that we need? Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we need that. We need to be clean. We need our sins to be washed away, and the blood of Jesus accomplishes that. And then there's one more thing that we need to do. In verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. We talked about this in youth group. What does that mean to confess our sins? We don't just uh, put it on Facebook or tweet it out there. Here's a list of sins, everyone. That'd be embarrassing and not fun. So what we want to do, we want to confess our sins to people that we trust. We want to confess our sins to people that are Christians that we have fellowship with. That word fellowship is very important. That word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. It means a close relationship, participation, sharing. It's very has a very familial term to it. We don't just confess to anyone, right? Because that's not safe. You confess to people that are safe. You confess to people that are going to walk alongside you. You confess to people that are going to pray with you, right? I wonder how many times John confessed to his best friend Jesus his attitudes and what was going on. So we walk in the light. We don't walk in the darkness. And then it gets all the way to verse 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Sin's very important to, to God, right? Sin's very important. It messes things up. It interferes. It distorts the communication. It just, it just messes everything up. Sin is very important to God. So important that he gave his only son, right? We all know that, right? For God so loved the world, we know it. Sin's very important to God. So important he sent his son. 
the, before Jesus came, the, Jew, the Jewish people had the Day of Atonement. And that was the day. That was the day we could be cleansed from all unrighteousness. You'd take your spotless lamb. You'd sacrifice, right? As Jesus was walking past John the Baptist, John the Baptist uh, said, look, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So we do take our sins seriously. We do confess them to one another, right? We do our best to walk in the light. We do our best to have fellowship with other believers. But here's the best part. John says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Part of the word advocate, um, in that day, it would have meant something like this. So the ruling power in the world was Rome. and Rome had... Uh, Lots of laws, and they had courts and judges everywhere. And when someone would take you to court, and you got into that Roman court, and you didn't know the language, and you didn't know the law, and you didn't know what was going on, what you would try to do is get an advocate. An advocate is someone that would speak the language. An advocate is someone that would know the laws. An advocate is someone that would speak on your behalf. You know, I'm showing up in court. I have no idea what's going on. My head's spinning. I don't know. Thankfully, I have a friend. I have an advocate. I have somebody that does know. Somebody that will speak on my behalf. Someone that will help me out. Someone that will try to convince that judge for me. You know, walk in the, in, in the light as a transformation to be like Jesus. It might take our whole lives. It might take, you know, it's not just a fast thing. So in Revelation 12.10 it says, We're accused night and day by our enemy. So here's the scene. We'll set up the scene. The devil is our accuser. And he's accusing us night and day. He's saying that to God. He's saying, Josh is a sinner. Josh is a liar. Josh does deserve to pay for his sins. You guys, this is very, it's very obvious where I'm going, right? You guys are with me, right? Our advocate, Jesus, who knows the language, who knows the laws. One commentator put it this way as I was studying this week. Um, to be able to argue in heaven, the bar exam is righteousness. Pretty interesting, right? Jesus has passed that exam. So when the devil says, Josh owes this much, and Jesus said, I already paid it. I paid it. I know the rules. I know how it works. Josh deserves to pay for his sins. Josh deserves to be disciplined. Josh deserves to be punished. God doesn't punish us. If you're here today and you think that God would punish you, please know, God will not punish you. God is a loving Father, and we have our big brother Jesus will always be arguing on our behalf. And I'm right about to wrap it up, but I hope you guys know Jesus is on your side. Jesus is your advocate. He is your helper. He is your friend. 
He is speaking for you night and day. I love that. I, I love the thought of that. And, and more so than I love the thought of that, I love that that's actually happening. I can't wait to one day just say thank you. So that's what I have for us today. Jesus is our advocate. And, and, and it's something we know, but it's just something that we could be reminded of. So as we start the new year, you know, a lot of times the new year we have new ideas and we have new plans for ourselves. Um, maybe some of the places that we go, some of the places that we end up, part of the reason is because we need to share that with someone. Maybe someone needs to know that. Maybe someone, maybe we're going to end up somewhere and someone just needs to know. You know? And there are ways that, there are ways that we can do it um, obviously and overtly, and there's ways we can do it subtly as well, too. You know, God will use all those things. God will use all those things. So where am I going to go? I don't know. I have some plans. What am I going to do when I get there? Well, one of the things that I'm going to do is try to love people the way Jesus would love people and try to help people understand that Jesus is on their side. And who am I going to be? Hopefully a person that has love in his heart, and hopefully a person that has you know, freedom for people to be who they are and for people to, to understand who God is. And that's what I have for us today. So I hope that you guys can go from this place today um, just excited a little bit about what Jesus is doing for us even right now. And, um, and I hope you all have a blessed year. You know, we all received, we received so many words. And if you didn't receive a word, here's your word for you. Jesus is your advocate. Jesus has great plans for you. Jesus has places for you to go. Jesus has places, things for you to do once you get there. So if you all would, would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, thank you so much for today. Jesus, it's, it's special every time we think about what you did for us. It never gets old. Lord, we thank you so much that you know the language of heaven, that you passed the bar exam of righteousness. God, you, you don't allow us you won't allow us to be destroyed and you won't allow us, you won't allow the enemy, the enemy won't win in our lives. You'll win in our lives. God, we thank you for this, for this place that we could gather and just encourage one another and we could sing and we could praise and we can just be here, Lord, in your presence on Sundays. God, help us to take what you give us on uh, Sundays. Help us to take that out of the world and share it with others. So God, we're so thankful for what you're doing in this church. We're thankful for what you're doing individually in lives. And we would just ask that you'd be strong in this place and that, and that more people would come to know you this year. So we thank you for all those things. We ask them in Jesus' name. Together we can all say, amen. Thank you guys so much for having me.